The Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. Jesus came, took her by the hand, and lifted her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, the disciples brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and his companions hunted for Jesus. When they found him, they said, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go to the neighboring towns that I may proclaim this message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. It was a really good day. Really, really good. Long, to be sure, busy, full, active, and exhausting, but overall, hands down, one of the best days so far. It began with Sabbath worship in the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus was teaching, and as the Bible tells us, he was doing so with such authority that everyone was astonished, awed, and amazed by what he said. I imagine that as he spoke, a hush came over the worshipers who hung on his every word and then later wondered, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? At some point, a man possessed by a demon entered the synagogue and interrupted the worship. Jesus, instead of being rattled or undone by this intrusion, seamlessly cast out the demon and carried on with his teaching. Our gospel reading for today tells us that after worship, Jesus, along with four of his disciples, went to the home of Simon. I suppose that they were headed there for a meal and for some time to relax and recharge, as was prescribed in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. When the exiles returned to Jerusalem, the structure was firmly set in place for worship, and it went like this. Worship, followed by fellowship, followed by service to the poor and to the infirm. When Jesus and the disciples arrived, they learned that Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. Without any fanfare and with very sparse words, Mark tells us that, and now I quote, Jesus came and took her by her hand 
and lifted her up, and then the fever left her. Immediately, as one would imagine, word began to spread throughout the city of 1,500 people. News of his authoritative teaching, the casting out of the demon, and the healing of this woman spread like wildfire. By sundown, crowds of people had begun to gather at the door of the small home. Actually, crowd might be an understatement. Mark says, and again I quote, they brought to him all who were sick and or possessed with demons. The whole city was gathered at the door. The whole city. 1,500 people seeking what Jesus had to offer. So, the busy of the day continued well into the night with Jesus healing many, note the Bible says many, but not all, who were sick with various diseases and casting out many, again, many, not all, demons. When Jesus eventually went to bed, he must have been both exhausted and energized. Maybe as he was drifting off to sleep, he was reliving the day's events, rehearsing them so that he wouldn't forget all that had happened, remembering the look on the faces of those he had healed and recalling the expressions of gratitude and the acclaim and the accolades. The next morning, Jesus awoke before the sun was up and left the house in the dark without telling anyone where he was headed. He made his way into the wilderness where he prayed to his Father in heaven. And when he was done, he said to his disciples, let's go, let's go on to the neighboring towns. And so they did. They moved on, headed out of Capernaum to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God elsewhere. In so doing, you understand, Jesus left behind many whose needs were unmet, whose prayers were unanswered, and whose pain and suffering were unrelieved. As I said, it was a really good day, successful by anyone's measure. There was that overwhelmingly positive response to his message, the awe at his power over the demons, and the desperate hunger for his healing. Of this there can be no doubt. Although his ministry was brand new, it was already unbelievably effective and growing wildly. When almost anyone else would have stayed, filled with compassion, assured of meaningful work for the rest of their days, receiving high praise and admiration and appreciation for doing so, Jesus walked away. He walked away from the success, and he walked away from the acclaim. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly say what Jesus' pre-dawn prayer in the wilderness was about, but it seems reasonable to assume that at least in part, it included a petition seeking clarity and direction for next steps. 
When Jesus told his disciples that they would be leaving Capernaum and heading on to the neighboring towns, he explained it this way. Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. The gospel reading for today hinges on those words of Jesus. That, he said, is what I came to do. It seems clear that whatever tension Jesus may have experienced between the felt needs of the people of Capernaum and the compassion for them, alongside his intense desire to do his Father's will, whatever that tension may have been, it was apparently resolved in that pre-dawn prayer. Proclaim the message, he said. That is what I came to do. At the very beginning of the gospel, we are introduced to the ministry of Jesus with these words. Mark wrote, Jesus came proclaiming the good news of God, saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That is what he came to do. He came, the Son of God, to be our promised and long-awaited Messiah. He came to take away the sin of the world, to redeem his people, to restore creation to its original design, to reconcile all that is broken and all that comes between us and God. Our Messiah came to establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And to that end, he went all the way to the cross, ransoming his life for ours so that we might live abundantly here and now and in eternity at the throne of God. Friends, we are pulled in so many different directions. Demands on our time and on our focus and on our energy are many and varied and ever-changing and ever-increasing. Our lists of to-dos and obligations and responsibilities are long, and prioritizing them is, well, complicated. In the midst of the busy we live and know, it's all too easy to lose sight of our deepest and truest calling, which came to us in the waters of baptism, where we were made, members of God's family, inheritors of the kingdom, disciples of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Savior of the world, our Messiah. Please know this. God has so much in store for you, far more than you can imagine or know. Plans for you to prosper, as the prophet Jeremiah said. Plans for you to be free, to live abundantly, and to know the inexpressible joy God desires for you. Just as for our Lord, so also for us. Time spent in prayer and solitude is invaluable and necessary 
and even required as we navigate the complexities of this life. Our call to prayer is not only an invitation to spend time with our Lord, but it is also an opportunity to clarify and to discern where our focus and attention and energy must be directed. I conclude with these famous words of Martin Luther. He said, I am so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I couldn't get through the day. May you find in your prayer life order and focus for your busy and full days. In the name of our Lord, amen.